You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, I'm Gina Thomas-Kelly from SB Nation. And I'm Amir Tyree from DraftKings Nation. And we're the hosts of Football Cheat Sheet, a podcast that drops every Friday and provides you with the tools you need to win money and dominate your friends in fantasy this NFL season. Today, we're joined by Jeff Burkus from Windy City Gridiron. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate the time. Um, so it's been, you know, an interesting few weeks in the NFL, especially with schedule changes uh, because of COVID. And I know that that is wreaking havoc on a lot of people's fantasy lineups. And we may have another issue this week. The Falcons have closed their facility for today. Um, I actually am pr- looking pretty heavily at a lot at a number of Vikings offensive players against this Falcons team because, as you know, I hate the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Even though I actually love them. Um, so yeah, how's how has the you know the various how have the various schedule changes impacted you guys as far as your fantasy lineups? You know, for me, I've generally been pretty lucky. Uh, my fantasy teams have not been impacted, and then I've been able to make enough uh, changes late in the schedule to be able to work around anything. And so I I don't know if it's a good thing because I'm sure that I'm going to hit that later on, um, as this continues to spiral out of control. Uh, but, Mm -hmm. but I've actually been able to avoid everything so far, but this week, half of the stuff that I prepared for this show was like (laughs) you said, I really like the Vikings this week and I've got some feelings about that line. And so it's interesting to see where that goes. Yeah, for me, it's been really tough at the quarterback position because um, I've lost two games straight now and I've had to sit, sit Cam Newton for two weeks in a row. So that has uh, really hurt me because my two starters, because I, I have a really deep league, so I can't really pick up uh, quarterbacks anywhere because it's uh, 12-man, uh, 22 per roster. So I had to start Joe Burrow against the Ravens and just the scoring format's a little different. So he ended up getting me negative three points. So that's how uh, that's how that one went. So I'm definitely glad to be able to get Cam back in my lineup so I don't have to play like three tight ends. Me too, but I'm actually going to have a tough decision. Um, I have Cam in every single season-long league that I'm in. So I've been in a bind too, obviously. But uh, this week in one of my leagues, I started Ryan Fitzpatrick instead. And that actually worked out really well for me. So we can talk about that a little bit more when we get to this week's hits and misses. But that was definitely a hit for me for sure yes um and then the other biggest news i think coming out of the nfl this week is obviously dak prescott's injury um amir you and i have talked about prescott's performance so far this season a lot on the show he's been really a fantasy standout and um it's going to be interesting to see what this means for dallas but also it's going to put a lot of people like you said amir people with those deeper fantasy leagues um it's going to put them in a bad position and yeah i guess Andy Dalton is likely going to be available uh, on the waiver wire. I don't know why, unless people have already picked him up because they know that Dak's out for the rest of the season. But who else is even out there on the waiver wire that Dak uh, Prescott fantasy, people who have him on their roster could take a look at? 
Yeah, I was looking at um, just a couple of those lower-owned guys just in um, ESPN uh, ownership, and two two guys who are pretty under-owned. Um, under under fifty percent, what I saw was I think maybe like forty-four ish or so, somewhere in those low forties. Ryan Tannehill can really ball, and people have forgotten about him because he hasn't played in a million years uh, amid all the stuff going on. But him, and then um, another guy who's at like twenty percent, Derek Carr, just had like an all-time game against the Chiefs, despite uh, the receiving core he's working with and not really having uh, Brian Edwards, the rookie they're really excited about. Henry Ruggs went for like 120 yards on two catches or three catches or something like that. And we know what he can do after the catch and uh, with uh, Darren Walt and Darren Waller. So, and they're going to be up against um, a tough run defense. So uh, I expect him to air it out again. And Kansas, Kansas City is not a bad defense by any means. So for him to go throw for like 347, I think, yeah, but if you're in those deeper leagues, you might just have like you might honestly have no shot. So mm-hmm. it's really hard to find good quarterbacks at this time. Yeah. And then there was another um, kind of a major news story that came out of Denver this week with a significant fantasy impact. Melvin Gordon got a DUI. So I don't expect him to play this week. I do expect him to face some kind of league discipline. I don't know what that will look like, but um, he's rostered and almost every league and he's a starter in about two thirds of them. So, you know, who are some waiver wire guys that you guys would take a look at? Uh, Jeff, who would you think about for maybe if somebody has to replace Melvin Gordon in the roster? Right, what's Philip Lindsay's injury status at this point? Is he rostered everywhere? Yeah, I, I checked up on him earlier. I don't know. I'm not sure about his ownership, but I know he's training in the right direction to coming back. I want, he was either limited or full participant in practice this week. I I don't know. It seems like every league that I'm in, it seems like running backs are just so scarce. But do you want to do you want to take a bet on uh, you know Do- J.K. Dobbins and Baltimore to start getting more of a role? Do you want to bet on uh, DeAndre Swift in Detroit finally breaking out? I mean, he's got a nice matchup this week. They're coming off a bye week, or maybe they went back in and said, okay, let's let's start looking at what these young guys have for us. But you, I think you're taking a gamble. You know, do you want to go into the Rams backfield and try to try to pick the right one of the three-headed monster? You know, is Acres out there for you, where you could maybe take a chance there? But I think at this point, most of the running backs and most of the handcuffs are, are rostered in a lot of my leagues, and so you're really just kind of taking shots in the dark if you're in trouble. Yeah, pretty much. That's what it looks like across my leagues too. Yeah, it's really hard, and a couple. It's it's just weird, and some like random backs have like higher ownership, but maybe if you have I don't know. See, yeah, they are just like it's really hard to find running backs. Or maybe if someone like uh, Damian, like Damian Harris, who has uh, been off for a time for some time, went for 100 yards on 17 carries. From what I've been looking at, it looks like he's kind of earned himself more of a featured role for the Patriots. But then that's you know it's also it's always going to be a shot in the dark with uh, Burkhead, and then you also have James White over there, and then. Chase Edmonds has been ridiculous on limited touches, but I think everyone has kind of caught on to him as they've been looking for that Kenyon Drake fade, which he just got like a gimme touchdown to save himself this past week. But Chase Edmonds is just like, he only needs like three, like three, four carries a game, like a couple catches and has like scored in three of their five games. So. The other uh, fantasy storyline that I was keeping an eye on last week, I did not have him rostered, but my husband did uh, Chase Claypool. And he had a huge game. And so, you know, really looking at the wide receiver options for the Steelers, I think that the the big question is, 
you know, if if Juju's healthy, if Deontay Johnson is able to come back this week, which I think that he's trending in the right direction too, which one of these guys do you choose? How do you even how do you even predict like who's going to go off like this? That's a lot of talent at that position. You know, I, I put a claim in, in all of my leagues for him because he was so impressive. Obviously, four touchdowns, that's kind of a ridiculous game. Hasn't happened very often in the history of the NFL. But it, it looked like he was showing a lot of traits that you weren't necessarily expecting out of him as a rookie. You know, he he obviously has measurables that fly off the charts. And that, so that's something that you're very excited about. But he looked like he had a suddenness out of his breaks. He looked like he was displaying some route running that I wasn't necessarily um, seeing uh, or expecting to see of him this early. But also the way that they were using him, they were just saying, like, we're just going to throw you up the seam and, and we're going to we're going to just throw it to you straight and use that freight, that straight line speed. The defenses are going to have to adjust, and so they are either going to have to find some sort of big safety, fast safety to be able to cover him, or they're going to have to try to sacrifice a corner to cover him, which might actually balance that back out into Juju's favor. So I'm not sure exactly which way it's going to go. It's going to be interesting, but I think given how much of a presence he had on Sunday, he's going to be part of the game plan going forward. And so I think he's a legitimate wide receiver to have on your roster and probably roll out there even as a guy that you can maybe expect wide receiver two numbers from going forward. Yeah, he just, just DFS-wise, he broke slates. He just broke so many slates um, just coming off this week. And especially when you look at um, the run defense, they're going to be up against the Browns this week, who have really been surprising against the run, been susceptible against the pass. But uh, Miles Garrett has been great in their whole front line. Um, they're a top, a top five, like top five, top six-ish uh, run defense this year. So, and James Conner really hasn't been tested. So he went for the he that went for like nine yards in that season opener, and then his he really wouldn't have had much value had he not scored because he's on like three, like under three and a half yards per carry in his last game. Had he not found the end zone, he might have uh, not done too much. So, especially yeah, given how much um, how many options they have through the air. I think it continued. Maybe not necessarily the performance he had in his last one, <laughs> but um, yeah, significant enough to definitely roster him. Definitely. And then, um, you know, as much as I do rip on the Falcons, I do just want to say it was nice to see Todd Gurley actually get something done against Carolina. Um, he's rostered in almost every league too, uh, but he hasn't been a starter for a lot of people. Um, his starting percentage is much lower. I know that he's a guy that I expected big things out of. Um, I knew that it was kind of contingent on the Falcons, you know, A, staying healthy, and then B, like not having a garbage offensive line like they do so many years. Um, but I, it was really nice to see that. Um, and I do like if if the Falcons play this week, I do like the matchup against the Vikings. They're uh, they're allowing more than 130 yards per game. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't have real high hopes for Julio Jones to play this week, which is going to you know take a big playmaker off the field, and it makes it harder for that offense to really get anything going. But um, yeah, I still like that matchup for Gurley, and I, it would make me happy to see him replicate that. Yeah, and then Russell Gage also um, dealing with some things too. So it's either, if not the Calvin Ridley show, then I would, I would assume it's going to be a lot of Gurley for sure. Gurley and Hurst, I think, will be the, uh, those are two guys that I'd keep an eye on for DFS. The other big news, I think, is that Jimmy Garoppolo may be back this week against the Rams. So, um, you know, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I this The Niners are kind of a mess this year, and I know that they've had a lot of injuries to deal with, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they just got 
rolled by the Dolphins. Um, and that was certainly not what I expected. So it's going to be interesting to see how Garoppolo looks, if he's fully healthy, and if he's able to produce for the Niners and obviously for fantasy owners. Yeah, we'll have to see if it's Bayard's season. Mm-hmm. Again, he's given them uh, the spark. And Miami, they're really uh, surprised some teams this year, despite uh, starting Fitzpatrick over Tua. And, you know, he uh, Fitzpatrick has kind of been that, like, bang, like boomer bust kind of guy where he's either going to throw for, like, 350 yards or he's going to have, like, 160. Mm-hmm. But, and yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but with his guys, like, Devon, like Devontae Parker and Miles Gaskin being that, like, crazy – um utility guy for them they're really not a yeah they're really not a bad because they were i think they i think they were like not something between seven and nine point underdogs in this game and i saw that and i was mm-hmm. like i was like what did you see the game they just played against the seahawks like the previous <laughs> week and i was like i am def- i'm definitely taking them to cover the spread and they cover that by a wide margin so uh let's see amir i think that you had some some storylines that you wanted to go through too yeah um just to touch on some of the bigger uh, standout performances that kind of surprise people. Uh, Travis Fulgham is another guy. Him and uh, Chase Claypool were both the like highest added uh, wide receivers, at least in um, ESPN leagues, since week five. And I saw I had to. I I, was, I really need some wide receiver uh, help, so I went I went ahead and picked him up off the waiver wire with those uh, 10, 10 receptions for one hundred fifty two yards. He scored a touchdown back to back games. Philadelphia is really looking to get some contributions with Deshaun Jackson banged up. Alshon Jeffries trying to work back from that foot injury. Jalen Rieger's dealing with that thumb. So uh, he really does not have an op- – I'm probably going to sit him for because he's coming up against the Ravens this week, which is not pretty um, for anyone. But I think for the rest of the season, I'm definitely going to have an eye on him to see what he can do against those average, below-average defenses. I don't if – he, if he surprises me against the Ravens, I'll be so mad that I didn't play him. But – uh, just I'm interested to see whether he's the real deal. I haven't seen a lot of him like full game footage, but from what I've seen, it's like any whenever you're making ten catches, it's like he's he's getting he's getting a ton of targets. And if he's like the guy over Greg Ward and Zach Ertz is gonna, you know, maybe he's maybe he's more of a preferred target than him. So I don't know how many people are gonna start. Uh, are going to start them and really lean on them, but that'd be more of a deeper league play because there's so many great wide receiver plays. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned the Chargers backfield. That is a really interesting one. That was just crazy for me to see because people were really loading up on uh, Joshua, like Joshua Kelly. As soon as Eckler went down, everyone was like, oh, Joshua Kelly's the guy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people got too excited about that 23 carry game that he had in week two. And think in that same game, Eckler had that, that they, they both might have gotten close to. 20 carries and there's like oh yeah he's the guy moving forward and then he gets stuffed and runs for like 29 yards against the saints on i think 11 carries which the saints haven't had like given up a 100 yard game to anyone in like a million years so it's not surprising but then justin jackson rushes for 70 on like 50 on like 15 carries so if that's like split 50 50 maybe joshua maybe kelly's a guy that you want to stay away from i don't necessarily think that you can keep depending on that from Justin Jackson, but he was considered one of those higher up guys as far as just, oh, in, oh, injury is going to, he's already rostered at a pretty high percentage, but maybe Jackson is the better option. Maybe, I don't know if you guys have anything or, uh, to say about that, or if you saw the uh, performance from the Chargers and Saints. 
I got burned by Kelly a couple of weeks ago in DFS. And um, I think that he was like the primary reason that I finished out of the money and I was very irritated with it. And whenever you're dealing with a running back by committee situation, it's just so hard to anticipate which one of those guys is going to be the right play for any given day. Yeah, and I just wanted to back up real quick because I did had no idea that we were going to talk about CJ Beathard on this podcast. And as a, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like I did not yeah. get the full notes that that CJ Beathard's name was going to come up. And so, as an Iowa grad, I'm very excited that CJ Beathard's name got that got mentioned. So, um, I I am in a guillotine league. Are you guys familiar with this concept? I have not. So the guillotine league is a setup where, we, because of the weirdness of the COVID year, we didn't really know what to expect. We we ch- uh, changed one of our leagues over to a points league, and then after the fourth week, we cut the twelfth place team and we put all of their, his players on waivers. And then last week, or after week five, the eleventh place team gets cut and all of his players go on waivers. And we're going to keep doing that all the way through the end of the year until the last week, where you've got the championship game, where you've got the last two guys. And so this week, Kittle, uh, Kittle's team got cut, and so Kittle was out on on the waiver wire, and, and I and I got him, and so now I'm invested in this San Francisco passing game because George Kittle, also an Iowa grad, um, is is now uh, on my team, and so now I need to care about the Niners. But before uh, uh, three a.m. this morning, I did not care about this Niners <laughs> passing attack, but now I'm invested, and so very interested to see what happens uh, going forward because. They do look like a mess. That team does run through Kittle, but they need something around him. They need Debo Samuel. They need Brandon Ayuk to come back, come on, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They need somebody to, to come in and, and start making some plays uh, to take the pressure off of Kittle. Now I just want to be in a guillotine league. That sounds like uh, yeah. a really brilliant, fun format. Yeah, unless you're that last place team, then it's not fun at all, and you yeah, have nothing to do. I would change my tune very quickly if I were the first team guillotined out of there, but... Yeah, as you can imagine, the group chat uh, was pretty <laughs> relentless on the guys that have been eliminated quickly. I can imagine. Man, I I would hope they're in a couple other leagues. If you just have one, <laughs> man, that yeah, I, I I would assume I would assume so, or maybe they were just so high on. They're just like, yeah, I, I think I really have the team that can get it done this year, and then they're done five weeks into the season, and they're just watching from the sidelines. Cutthroat. I think it's a good changeup. I think it's a fun changeup for everybody. Yeah, and like you said, especially with the season the way that it is, there's no reason to not try out some different things. I mean, make it a little bit more uh, more unpredictability is really what we need this year in the NFL. <laughs> yep, exactly. And just pivoting over to one of the other points I wanted to talk about, uh, the Panthers really uh, pulled, it, pulled it home for me uh, this past week in DFS. Teddy Bridgewater and this, that entire Panthers offense have just been so surprising this year. And really, the DFS world is, is catching up to them. Um, just because they're able to just they're just, just they've been so productive despite Christian McCaffrey missing that time. Mike Davis has one, been one of like the most popular running backs where it looks like Christian McCaffrey is going to miss another week. They're not quite ready to take him off the IR. And what Davis has been able he's just like I, I can't remember where exactly he stands, but just among the league leaders in breaking tackles, just like if you if you try and arm tackle this guy, he will run through like five six of your guys just like just about every play. And what he's been able to do in the receiving game. Why is it like Robbie Anderson a star receiver? DJ Moore is having a bounce back year. And Teddy Bridgewater is second in the NFL in completion percentage. And he's getting a guy over 100 yards pretty like pretty much every game. This is the Panthers offense is just looking like um, an ideal stack for really. And then you really have to see how that changes when Christian McCaffrey comes back. But they're really looking like 
the just like most surprising um, team to me so far this year, going three straight without their best player. And then like Davis, easily the best waiver wire pickup of the season, I think, at least so far. He's not going to last for too much longer, I don't think. I want to just respond real quick because I'm curious of what you think of your Panthers this week against my Bears because <laughs> this Bears team is a is a good defense. They lead with defense here, and 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 I really respect what Joe Brady has done uh, to come in and, and run that offense with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that the Bears went after. Um, they weren't able to secure him to a contract. He went to Carolina instead. Mike Davis is a guy that was on the Bears roster last year and was actually cut really early in the year because um, he wasn't really making anything happen, which is probably more about the offensive line. And so this is a little bit of a – there's some interesting Bears ties to this Bears-Panthers uh, game coming up this week. But I'm curious if you think you're still going to roll with them against a good defense like the Bears. Yeah, definitely – uh, the Bears are a less ideal matchup than the Atlanta Falcons, Sargina. But, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily as high on them, but I just think week to like week to week on against weaker defenses, I think that it'll I think it'll be a solid matchup. It's just going to – I think what, a good thing to watch there is what uh, David Montgomery will be able to do because the Panthers have given up more DraftKings points to running backs than any team in the NFL, and he's he's been really trying to get things going. He hasn't really thrived as that feature back with Tariq Cohen out as far he's getting he's getting all the he's getting all the work um carry wise he's getting more involved in the passing game and he was able to find the end zone against the Buccaneers who are the best rushing defense in the NFL uh so far at least as far as yards per game so you know between him I think Nick Foles isn't isn't gonna wow you with his stats but he's capable of like winning those games but I wouldn't expect Bridgewater to connect as well with Guys like DJ Moore, who's might who might draw the uh, Fuller in coverage, and some other guys, but they have they have enough weapons to where they can't get to all of them. But stat, stacking wise, I'm a lot lower than I'm probably going to stay away from them this week. But a good a good game though, I think. And it's a fair question, especially when the when the uh, Panthers are coming off of a win over the Falcons, who are truly a terrible football team. So uh, <laughs> we only have one over under this week to talk about. And um, I think that it's the biggest, you know, storyline uh, this week in general, you know, Andy Dalton, the over under is set at 260.5 passing yards. So do you guys think that that's going to, are you taking the over or are you taking the under? I'm actually going to take the over. And for me, it's because of all the weapons that he has. Dallas has done a really nice job of putting uh, three very good wide receivers on that in that lineup. And I also think he's going to have to throw because the Cardinals, all they know how to do is play offense. And so it's going to be a high scoring game. It's actually something that I was, if we're going to talk about lines that we liked, uh, the Cardinals and the Cowboys over 54 and a half points is something that I'm interested in right now um, because I think that neither team has shown much in the way of defense. And so if you got two teams that can move the ball, uh, and two teams that can't stop anybody. I usually just grab the over, even if it's a high, even if it's a high number like fifty-four and a half. Yeah, and another wrinkle there is that Chandler Jones ended up on IR this week with a torn bicep. I think um, it might have been a torn pec, but one of those two. And so you know he's a big component in that defense. I think that it opens up some opportunities for Ezekiel Elliott too to uh, kind of help them get to that to to the over there uh with the um the score but yeah Andy Dalton with the with the receiving talent that they have I would also take the over yeah I'm leaning toward that too I think as a lot of people are going to expect them to be a little bit more Zeke centric um now they don't necessarily 
they don't have they don't have the ability to extend plays uh, that Dak that Dak Prescott has. But at the same time, you have to utilize the talent they have at wide. And then the Cardinals haven't been great against the pass. And then this is, I have to look. Yeah, prob- probably the best. Probably the best receiving core they faced all year. So I would I would expect them to put up some solid numbers. And yeah, take the over on that for sure. That works for me. Uh, and so yeah, we're we're all the way to the hits and misses portion of our program. Um, I already touched on my biggest hit last week. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, that was a, it was actually a league that I forgot that I was in and it auto drafted. <laughs> I still ended up with Cam and auto drafted Fitzpatrick as my, um, as my backup. And yeah, so he was Fitz magic last week, 350 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, that was just absolutely spectacular. So um, misses, I've been all over the place because my puppy had surgery last week and I'm trying to keep her from being a maniac and, you know, hurting herself while she recovers. And I completely forgot to set my DFS lineup again. (laughs) So that was my miss was my whole DFS situation. Oh, no. Jeez Louise. Hey, as long as you made it easier for me to finish in the morning, I'm not mad at it. But (laughs) I figured that you would be fine with it. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I don't know if she's bounced back enough now, but I was like, I can't, I won't have a leg up on her this next time around. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm taking her to the vet to get her staples out tomorrow, uh, and so she's gonna be back to normal. Yeah, <laughs> so that's good. Uh, but for me, as I talked about earlier, um, Teddy Bridgewater, I didn't necessarily talk about on the show, and just the Panthers in general. I th- I had Bridgewater, Davis, Anderson, and DJ Moore, and the two lineups I put in. So yeah, both, yeah, both of them did like pretty well. It wasn't like smash, like first place kind of lineup, but I had, I had, I hit on some of my, some of my sleepers, I probably could have done a little bit better, but uh, finished, finished in the money. So not bad on either, on either one of those. And then uh, my misses, my lock of the week was James Robinson, who was going up against Houston, who had given up the most rushing yards in the NFL at that point. He was a dud, but uh, just something I want to touch on. He's not my lock of the week this week, but I'm de- I'm probably going to go right back to him next week because he's up against uh, the Lions. The Lions. Okay, there we go. They're, they're both blue teams. It's all the same. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Lions are now the new team who's given up the most rushing yards in the NFL. So I figure that he can't completely blow it two weeks in a row. And given that DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault are both uh, – injuries and we know that he can be that all-purpose guy I'm, I'm just gonna go with him to run it back even though he burned me and then Jeff uh, Jeff Smith was a guy who led the Jets and snaps um, when in that Thursday night game against the Broncos he didn't live up to expectations but he's a he's another one that I might take a look at who I haven't checked his price for this week but he was at three he was at 3k then um, on DraftKings and he might be slightly uh, priced up now but he got 11 targets in that game so from Joe Flacco, which that was more than even Jamison Crowder got. So Rashad Perriman is trending in the right direction for coming back. But any guy who's minimum price and is getting 10-plus targets, I'm at least going to have a look at him. And like I said before, he's got that sub-4-3 speed, not quite the like godly stuff that Perriman has put up. I think he slowed down a little bit, but he was like something like 4-2-5 or something crazy. But it, both those guys can fly – and I might just run. I might honestly run it back with both of them, but I don't. I don't think they'll both let me down two weeks in a row. But we'll see. There's a lot of options. I might. Ad- I might adapt my DFS strategy to do that because you know when a guy 
totally underperforms against my expectations, I tend to stay away from them for a few weeks. But actually, that's a good point. Like, they probably can't let you down that badly two weeks in a row. Jeff, how about you? Did you have any hits and misses last week on fantasy? I sure did. Yeah, I run a gambling column over at the QB list. And uh, one of my, and so, you know, I've been putting in bets, very small time bets on, on this betting app. And I felt really good about hitting the Dolphins plus eight and a half, as Amir talked about. I also cashed the Chargers at plus 7.5. I thought that they were going to show out against the Saints. They didn't win that game, which actually helps me because I have a Chargers under bet for wins in the year. I also have a Dolphins over six uh, over under bet. So actually, those were both really good for that uh, this week. And then with DFS, my big hit, uh, Americans already talked about it. Mike Davis, I was able to plug him in for pretty cheap and got a good result out of him. On the other side of it, I lost the Colts uh, matchup. They were favored by one and a half over the Browns when I locked it in. And unfortunately, I missed that one. It was just coming off of their basically manhandling the Bears. And I had not watched the Browns enough to really be convinced that they were putting their talent together. And so I missed that one completely. I have a lot more respect for the Browns after watching that game. And then I thought the Seahawks would just kind of roll over the Vikings. And then I I tuned in and it was raining. And I was like, oh, no, I'll bet you this is going to be a weird game. And, of course, it was. But they they came back and won, but they did not cover. And then that also had me miss my DFS plays, which were I took Tyler Lockett, who's just a personal favorite. Love how he runs routes. He went five catches, 44 yards. That's a dud. And then Justin Jefferson on the other side of it, three catches, 23 yards. So that game really messed me up everywhere. And just to touch on that, Cleveland is good now. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's surprising. (laughs) I grew up in Ohio and I deliberately chose to not be a Browns fan for a reason. Like the Browns have a long and storied history of being awful. And it feels weird to me when we do our picks each week at SBNation.com to actually have to think about the Browns matchup and, you know, could they win this game? Because typically it's just like, oh, the Browns know whoever they're playing is going to win. So yeah, it is. It's very, very weird. I, I was talking to one of my friends from home today and she said, you know, about the Falcon situation and she's a Browns fan and she's like, the Browns are finally good. So they probably <laughs> will have to cancel the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just can't have nice things. So hopefully for her sake, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And then an interesting storyline to kind of keep an eye on is with that last win, uh, Baker Mayfield is now the winningest quarterback at first energy field. And he's taken on the Steelers who Ben Roethlisberger was the winningest at first energy field all the way up until last week. So the quarterback duel between those two, which Baker is dealing with that, um, like rib, uh, yeah, rib injury. So. He was able to practice some on Wednesday. Um, he was just limited. So that's usually a pretty good sign. Definitely something to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We did get a couple of mailbag questions this week that I want to go through. Uh, Caden, uh, it's napdog12 on Twitter, 
asked, uh, he said he's been having trouble deciding between John Brown, Darius Slayton, and T. Higgins week in and week out. They are all usually projected about the same amount of points. Do you have any suggestions? Hit your waiver wire and find somebody better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's not a bad suggestion at all. (laughs) It it depends on how deep the league is. But for me, um, it it depends on uh, health a lot because Brown is coming off the calf and then Darius Layton is uh, dealing with the foot. And T T Higgins has been impressive as as they are right now. I would lean Higgins just uh, given AJ, AJ Green is just laying eggs everywhere. And it's looking like the Higgins and Boyd show in Cincinnati. If they would come back forward, then I would maybe lean towards Slayton, who just had that monster game against Dallas. And then he has Sterling Shepard on the IR. So it looks like they've been able to bring some life into their offense. But with all with all of them banged up, I would go T. Higgins, surprisingly. Yeah, for the short term, at least, I definitely would, too. Um, A.J. Green's dealing with a hamstring injury. And at this point, there's no timetable for him to return to practice. And that obviously does not bode well for his availability for games. Um, And so, yeah, for that reason in and of itself, I think that Higgins is going to get a lot more opportunities. So that that would also be my suggestion. And then the other question I'm happy to handle, this is from Rob at Daily Norseman, which is SB Nation site covering the Minnesota Vikings. And he would like to know if the Falcons cover tight ends well, because he has a friend who is a Vikings fan and has Irv Smith Jr. currently on the bench. The Falcons do not cover anybody well. (laughs) They really don't. They don't do anything well on defense. Uh, Tack McKinley, who is the team's best pass rusher, is still banged up. So I think that Cousins is going to have plenty of opportunities uh, to make plays. And I just think that it's going to be, you know, as much of a disaster as every other Falcons game this season has been. I expect nothing good from this team. And no, they've actually been getting eaten alive by tight ends for years and years and years. It's something that fans have been complaining about forever. So yes, start everybody that you have on your roster who is playing the Falcons on any given week. That is my best fantasy advice that I can give you. Yeah. I don't know if I would lean on Irv Smith, who's been kind of disappointing. He was um, expected to be one of those breakout second year tight ends, but he did see his biggest game um, of the year so far and caught four or five targets, 64 yards against the Seahawks who are also garbage against the pass. So maybe he can replicate that and fall into the end zone, but he's still going to be competing with Rudolph. But yeah, I wouldn't, I also wouldn't bank on the, them covering tight ends <laughs> <No>. too well. <laughs> and then moving on to locks of the week. Uh, I am going to go with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, he, he played with like some real fire after Dak went down with that injury. Um and I also think that because Arizona's already missing Chandler Jones, who isn't their best run defender, but he is a huge component of that defense. Like that's a huge hole that they are not going to be able to adequately fill. Um, and they're allowing over 124 rushing yards per game, Arizona is already. Uh, so I really think that uh, Ezekiel Elliott's going to get plenty of opportunities. And I think that they're going to have a hard time slowing him down. Well, mine, my lock might not be a lock because we might not have the game, but <laughs> I'm really interested in playing Alexander Madison everywhere I can. Uh, I don't think 
Dalvin Cook's going to play. I don't know why you'd risk him uh, after after you know setting him on the bench at the end of the last week with his injury. And Madison looked great, and he doesn't have any. I mean, Mike Boone's fine, but like he doesn't really have anybody that he has to worry about behind him. He he came in, he took off like a rocket. And again, anytime you can stack anybody against the the Falcons, you're going to do it. And and Madison's a good back, and and maybe he's still on the waiver the waiver wire. Probably not, but if he is, and, and just go grab him and, and plug him in your flex spot. I actually looked up because, um, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but, and Madison's not really a sleeper, especially knowing that Dalvin Cook is dealing with a groin injury. But, you know, I did put him as my sleeper of the week. Um, he he was added to nearly 200,000 rosters so far, mm. like this week, probably <laughs> because of Cook's injury. But he's still, like his his um, ownership percentage is still surprisingly low. I wish that I w- would have written it down because I can't remember what it is. But I was shocked that he was available in a large number of leagues. So I would say as soon as you hear this, I would probably go and, you know, try to pick him up because I don't know that that's going to last, especially since we're already seeing kind of a run on him there. Yeah, and we've... Assuming they give him um, a workload that's similar to what Cook is like, what Cook has gotten, I think you can only expect big things from him. Yeah, I mean, again, the Falcons' defense is just not good, uh, <laughs> so that makes things really difficult. For my lock of the week, I am going with Kyler Murray, who has been one of the better quarterbacks, um, fantasy-wise, despite eight touchdown passes. He has six picks and is still QB five. Uh, right now, he's coming off 380 passing yards against the Jets. And we saw what uh, New York was able to do. So I think he can do uh, something sim- uh, something similar given his connection with DeAndre Hopkins. And just he's really been he's really been saved a lot by just his rushing ability has just taken another step forward this year. And yeah, it's, gonna, it's definitely it's gonna it's gonna be hard to contain him against the, the you know, Cowboys giving up more points than any team in the NFL, more than the Falcons. So I think that's a really good mat, uh, really good matchup to him. Just do a little bit of everything. He hasn't. Yeah, uh, people have been waiting for him to have like that breakout game where he hadn't had any game over 300 yards um, leading up to this past week. And I think if he can do that again and then do his normal um, rushing, I think we could get close to the ceiling game for him. So I got got my eyes on him. Yeah, I do really love the Cowboys matchup for Kyler Murray this week. Kyler Murray's my guy. I, I I really like what they're doing out there. Maybe they'll be able to put together a defense behind him, but that, they're a lot of fun to watch. They're kind of unpredictable week to week, but Murray is fun. He is a fun watch. And so, yeah, I already jumped ahead and, and gave my sleeper of the week, which, you know, he's not really a sleeper, but if you do not have um, Alexander Madison on your roster and you need a running back, I would say that this is absolutely the week to go for it. He does seem to be available in a lot of leagues. If you're thinking about him in DFS, uh, he is not cheap. Uh, DraftKings has already adapted, knowing that Cook is likely not going to be able to go or not going to be at full strength. And because they're playing the Falcons... <laughs> He's pricey. So he's $7,200 this week, but he might be worth the investment. Um, I just expect him to have a big game. I, I actually have a question because I don't know what sleeper qualifies for you guys uh, in terms of like ownership or, or what you guys look at. But I I, I put down like Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki. I want a Dolphin somewhere in my lineup because they're going against the Jets. And if, if you guys needed like some sort of deep sleeper, I already kind of mentioned Swift being a guy that maybe gets unlocked after uh, after their bye week. And so I'm kind of interested in DeAndre Swift. 
Yeah, I think that those all qualify. We don't have like hard and fast qualifications for a sleeper. For me, it's just somebody that I, you know, maybe has a lower ownership percentage, um, you know, isn't owned in in a majority of leagues and that sort of thing. That's what I kind of Yeah, it's, it's pretty vague. It could be someone who's about to step into a larger role, maybe because of injury. It could be someone who's underperformed so far this season and just like, oh, this is this is their bounce back game where everyone's like, oh, he's washed. Uh, kind of deal and it could be just uh you know just a like random dart throw minimum play kind of deal so a little little bit of everything but for mine i am um, looking at austin hooper who has started to pick up some steam he, they made him the highest paid tight end in the nfl and a lot of people were underwhelmed by his involvement in the uh, passing attack given that cleveland has been a run power team this year um did not practice this week jarvis landry who suffered a rib injury he exited uh, briefly in his last game before coming back and finished with four catches for 80 for 88 yards his last time out. But if he does not play, I expect Hooper to be more involved. Only two Browns wide receivers have more than 10 targets this season, and that's OBJ and Landry. And then coming in with uh, 27 is Austin Hooper. So even all all those all the receivers outside of them have like four and like five targets on the year. And even yeah, even with um. Kareem Hunt a little bit banged a little bit banged up. I think Hooper gets um, some more looks than usual, and only three thousand nine hundred on DraftKings. And given what, uh, given how productive he has been able to be in the past, we haven't seen that explosive game from him. But I think he could uh, get get closer, can continue to pick up steam for sure. Yeah, and I hope that you're right. Um, Hooper is a guy that I was really high on coming into the season. I just felt like you know Baker Mayfield was hopefully going to hit a stride this year and. Hooper just got better every year that he spent in Atlanta. Um, he's very talented and he just, they had so many weapons, I think early in the season that it was hard for him to get enough targets. So, but it's been nice to see him start to kind of hit a stride and yeah, I hope that you're right. All right. So every week on the show, Amir, Amir talks about his money line pick for the week. And um, I'm a novice better. I've really done very, very little sports betting. It's something that I'd like to learn more about. And I'm sure that we have listeners who also are more focused on fantasy and DFS and don't really get that involved in sports betting. So I would love for you guys to explain to me, like, what do you look for when you're deciding on, a, you know, a money line pick or picking against the spread? If you want to take money line or you want to take the, the spread? Well, actually both. Sure. So so in the column that I write for QB list, we're picking against the spread. And so what I do every week is I take the schedule and I look at just the schedule and I write down literally just notebook and a pen. I, I say, what do I think this line's going to be? And after a while, you start to get pretty good at it. You start to kind of understand where the line's going to be set. And so, for example, the Vikings are playing Atlanta. I think, okay, the Vikings, I think, are a better team, but the Vikings have had their struggles. They're probably about a three-point favorite. You look, it's their three and a half favorite. Okay, I'm pretty accurate on that. Um, and then for something like the Titans versus uh, the Texans, I would look at that and I would say, I think that, you know, Titans are going to be favored. They're the better team. They're probably more like a five, six, maybe even a seven point favorite. And I look and the line's only three points. Well, I know that in my gut, I already like that Titans uh, minus three line. And so that's something that I'm probably going to bet this week is because I like the Titans a lot more than three points against the Texans. So I feel pretty good about that. So that's how I start. Now, picking a money line for me, if I feel like, and this is, would just be actual betting, not on the column, but if I really like an underdog, you're going to get better return if you think that they can go in and pull off an upset. 
so the money line usually is like a, a minus 110 line. So, you know, if you put $2 in, you, you, you'll get back $3.80, right? Uh, that's, those are the, that's the big hitter that I am. I'm, I'm betting the minimums. Um, and so generally that's what you get when you're betting the spread. But if you like, say like I would have been brave enough to take the Dolphins straight up on the money line last week against, uh, against the Niners, they were eight and a half point underdogs on my betting app. And so if I was going to take the money line, that probably would have been something like a plus 300 or something. So you're going to get a really good return off of betting uh, an underdog if they actually pull off the upset. And so that that to me is the only time I really bet the, the money line. If you're going to bet the favorite on a money line, it's going to be a pretty low return. And so, you know, like, let's say you were like, well, I really like the Chiefs against the Raiders. They're 13 and a half point favorites. I'll put in a couple dollars on the Chiefs. Well, they end up losing, and so obviously you you don't get that money back at all. Um, even it, but you're all you're risking it for a very small return. So for me, I generally would only look at the money line if I really like the underdog. That's understandable. So Amir, what is your money line pick for this week? There weren't a lot that seemed super optimal to me, but one that I will be keeping an eye on is Jaguars plus one fifty five against um, the Lions. Uh, which coming coming in now, I'm at I'm at three and two now. Which typically on these, I I strictly pick underdog picks. I'm three and two. The Saints have burned me twice. I picked the Buccaneers to uh, beat them in the season opener, and I picked the Chargers to upset them this past. And then of course they mount another crazy comeback like they did the previous week. Um, so I tried to I tried to up the ante again after picking that uh, Philly to upset 49ers pick, but. Um, yeah, I think I like the I like the Jaguars coming into this one. I talked about James Robinson going up against yet another defense um, who is now the giving up the most rushing yards per game. And then when I look at uh, Gardner Minshew, who's thrown for multiple touchdowns in four of his five games, Desmond Trufant is bang, is banged up, and then also uh, Jeff Okuda is also as uh, also hurt. So um, with both those corners out, but then at all you also have to consider the. Um, injuries working back for for Chark and Chenault but I think that if they're if they have all their top cornerbacks banged up and then um, they're one of the one of the worst run defenses in the NFL while going up against James Robinson I think I like those odds and just uh, you know slim underdogs only by three and a half points but I think I like that I have Lions fans telling me all the time, and I'm sure that Jeff is not sorry to hear this, that they might be as bad as the Falcons. So I think that <laughs> it's probably a pretty uh, pretty smart play there. Oh, the poor Lion fans. <laughs> I think those are great picks, honestly. It sounds like you should be 5-0, and Amir. Um, but I really should. The Chargers really burned me because I was so ready to come on here and say 4-1 and one so far. Because, you know, I, I feel like you can uh, give me a little pass on the first game of the season with Buccaneers and all the stuff they had, especially given that Mike Evans was hobbled in that one. But I was like, oh, I'm going to be so good. And then, of course. Yeah, it sounded like you had you like the sweatband on, you had, you had the workout shorts, and you were taking your victory lap, and then, and then they blew it. But I would say for me, the one line that I'm really kind of interested in as an underdog is the Bills plus three and a half against Kansas City, because I think the Bills are a really interesting matchup for Kansas City. And I think the Chiefs are struggling a little bit more than we realize. Obviously, they just got beat by the by the Raiders, but I wonder if that was a real exposure. I know the Bills just got beat too, and so you got two good teams coming off of losses. And I would think that those are both teams are going to be around play come playoff time. 
And I wonder if the Bills are just a little bit uh, better suited to bounce back quickly. And so I'm kind of looking at the Bills plus three and a half. Yeah, that's, that's definitely also a good one. I don't expect them to, man, that that, la- that last game for the Bills was just crazy. I, 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 don't, I don't see that happening again. Um, we know we know what Josh Allen is, uh, cap- was capable of doing, and then we gotta monitor and see uh, what John Brown what John Brown looks like coming back. But just those the inter- the interceptions really did it for Josh Allen, who's really taken a leap forward just in his just accuracy in general. And I think they just got some bad breaks in that last game. Given uh, one thing that really tilted me is I had Gabriel Davis captains in a showdown game when they called that illegal shift early in the game on that on that touchdown pass he threw. So you know it's bad. It's bad breaks like that. But I think they have, I think they have a solid chance against the Chiefs who are coming off that uh, Raiders loss. Yeah, I mean the Raiders made the Chiefs look human, and um, I don't think that that was anything that most people expected. I was shocked when I turned that one on um, and saw what was going on. So yeah, it should be really, really interesting this weekend between the Bills and Chiefs. So now it's time, Amir, to talk about who's in the doghouse. Um, Matt Ryan's been on my list before because he, you know, he started off the season so strong from a fantasy perspective. Well, you know, he was throwing it all over the place. He threw it all over the Seahawks, all over the Cowboys. But he's gotten progressively worse over the past couple of weeks. Um, Let's see. He is he's had zero touchdowns in each of the past two games, which is I mean, I know that Julio Jones is out, but they've still got Calvin Ridley, who would be a, a the top guy on the depth chart on a number of other teams. Um, and then, uh, you know, his yards are not what they were in the first couple of weeks of the season. So he's one that um, I also had to start him in season long because of Cam being out and because um, the Patriots not playing. And so it just I you know, I, I lost and it, it was not close. And a lot of it was because Matt Ryan was bad. So, and then the other guy that really hurt me this week, cause I didn't have anybody to fill in for him. And I also could not like, there was nobody on the waiver wire. Michael Thomas getting himself benched was a real problem. Oh man. Yeah. That was a real problem. And I know that it wasn't just me who was impacted. Like, Obviously, there are a lot of issues going on. You know, you've got people missing games because of COVID. You've got games that are being rescheduled. And what we don't need is Michael Thomas doing something to get benched. Like, give us a break, man. <laughs> I know that fantasy is not as important as real football, but yeah. So those are my two guys who are in the doghouse. Uh, the dogs have not chosen one yet. So, you know, I'll post that on Twitter when they do. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> I've got I, I like this category. I've got two guys I would love to kind of complain about. Definitely. Uh, one of them is Evan Ingram. Uh, where has Evan Ingram gone in this offense? I thought that the Giants offense ran through Evan Ingram and one catch for 16 yards does not make Evan Ingram very viable. <laughs> and I have a pretty hefty investment in him in a dynasty league uh, where we have contracts and I, I'm, I'm feeling very upset about that the other in the exact same league where i have a contract with both of these guys through next year is devin singletary uh, no zach boss oh, man. devin singletary he's going to be the guy 11 carries 24 25 yards one catch for eight yards and tj yeldon tj yeldon looked <laughs> yeah better. and i am not happy about either of those guys they're in my doghouse Oh yeah, especially um because i played a show i played a showdown uh lineup on DraftKings, and i was uh, had Singletary in there, who I think was something around like fifty cent, 
50% roster. And I was just like, what is going – like I was seeing like uh, TJ Yeldon catch bombs from just Josh Allen in the back of the end. And I was like, is this – I had to check a calendar. I was like, is it 2017? TJ Yeldon is good again? I was, uh, that, 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 I was like, that blew me away. He was like taking it back to his Jaguars days. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, both those guys, at least you got a little assistance from Ingram who he got uh, – he got that carry you against the Cowboys. To save some, yeah, rushing two, two, two attempts for nine yards, and he got in the end zone early. And I was like, "Oh man, I was, I was waiting for him to turn things around." So that was surprising. So maybe they'll continue to get a little more creative and like throw like an Odell mix into their offense, like get, just get the ball in his hands because all these, all these targets we're giving them aren't doing nearly as much as we want them to, at least throughout the season so far. And I just have one. I just have one guy who's uh, going to be Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's just. I mean, he's coming. He's coming off after uh, missing a couple games, but when you look at seven of 17, 77 yards, it doesn't get much worse than that. He really had their fan base saying, "Oh, maybe, maybe we should tank for the top quarterback in this next year's draft if, if this is what our quarterback situation is going to look like." So he definitely doesn't have an easy matchup coming up. Um, in his next one against the Rams, so you're gonna because you're gonna have to be up against uh, Jalen Ramsey and the guys Aaron Donald up front. So I don't I don't think the outlook is too good for him uh, moving forward. And yeah, just just being banged up everywhere. Like but like you said earlier, they're gonna need uh, those guys out wide like Debo Samuel, who I have, and I I kind of been stashing. I'm just like waiting for him to come back from that foot injury, and then they have just so many great running, so many great running backs, and now most are, and they have to start figuring out how to delegate responsibilities between those guys. But Garoppolo definitely, after just his terrible performance, has to has it like have his back against the wall, kind of right now, as their season is kind of going down the drain following that Super Bowl run. Gina, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Um, as a Falcons fan, and as a as someone who cheered for Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Do you see a potential Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan reunion, given that the Falcons are clearly on their way to taking uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? I don't. I mean, I, I think that that would be a very logical landing point. Um, I, I would not be surprised. The only thing that I think would, you know, kind of gum up the works there is Matt Ryan's contract situation. I don't know off the top of my head what San Francisco's cap space looks like, but I know that I think that there's like 50 plus million still in dead money if the Falcons cut him. So that's not happening. It would have to be a trade. And it's going to really, I think, be a challenge to get any team to absorb that contract. What I expect is that they will try to renegotiate Matt's contract this offseason and then try to move him. Uh, that's, and you know, I love Matt Ryan. I mean, he, he has been fantastic for this franchise. Um, I know that I put him in the doghouse again this week, but he hasn't played. (laughs) I mean, as far as being a leader, as far as being kind of the prototypical franchise quarterback, exactly the kind of guy that you want for your team, he's a very consistent player and he really played his best under Shanahan, not in year one, but once he got the hang of that offense in 2016, he was the league MVP. So yes, I, that is my early projection. I really think that you're correct. I think the Falcons will look to draft a quarterback high, especially when you have options like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Um, I'm leaning toward fields because I'm an Ohio state fan, but you know, we'll see. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that would be a really, I think that that would be actually a really good landing spot for Matt. And it would be ideal for, for Kyle too. 
Well, I, I love Matt Ryan, and in terms of fantasy, I've I've had Matt Ryan on my teams forever. I have a two quarterback league where you kind of have to roster three because you know mm-hmm. you just you just do. It's ten teams, you got to roster three. Matt Ryan's the most boring person in the league, and mm-hmm. so I felt <laughs> like I had to have an amount of swagger to offset Matt Ryan-ness on my team. And so my second quarterback is Gardner Menchu and my third quarterback is Joe Burrow because those guys have swag. Yes. And they can they can offset Matt Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, whereas Matt, you just kind of expect him to be making dad jokes and, you know, grilling out wearing khakis and socks with stuff like that. Like, <laughs> no, he's, he's really not like that in real life, but that is the impression that he gives people, so. Yeah, if you wanted to bring some personality, you should have uh, brought Trace McSorley on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just found out about, uh, I don't know if you've heard his song that's been uh making it making its rounds but there's a there's a guy who was just really big on trace mcsorley and just like uh i don't i don't, I don't really know, even know how to describe it, it was just about trace it's just about trace mcsorley throwing dime this like throwing dimes and just like without he's like all i do is throw dimes i don't even try and it's just been picking up it's been picking up a lot of it's, it's all over social media because when lamar jackson um got sick they were like could trace mcsorley start over Robert Griffin, uh, RG3, and then it like it just started making its round. So if you haven't seen that, you guys and whoever else is listening, definitely check that out. Because yeah, we need to find it. We'll tweet it so listeners can look at look at our Twitter accounts, and I'll I'll tweet it when I tweet the uh, the link to the DFS link. I think even the I think even the Ravens uh, had a video of him walking in slow mo to it. <laughs> oh, no. I think that's right. so. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm googling this as soon as. If, if you need an all NFL swag pick, Trace McSorley is my guy. <laughs> It'd be my bench stash. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's a pretty packed show for you guys today. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And Jeff, tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can reach your work. Absolutely. So I write for uh, Windy City Gridiron. I also write for the QB List, which is a website that's dedicated to fantasy. I run the gambling column there. And so hit that up. It's a really cool site. Um, you know, in addition to all the great stuff that SB Nation does, that gives me all the th- the, all that I need to, to be prepared for my fantasy week. I'm at Twitter, at Gridironborn. If you're a Bears fan, I would encourage you to hop in on that. If you're not a Bears fan, eh, it's mostly Bears tweets. So, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, truth in advertising. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Gina Thomas, and that is where I will tweet the link to this week's DFS contest. Um, It's a standard lineup with a $50,000 salary cap, 10 people, $10 buy-in, and the top three payout. You can uh, just go ahead and as long as you have a DraftKings account, you can join in and play with us. And hopefully I will remember to set my lineup this week so that I don't just waste $10. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead and uh, come in and join. And you can find me at it's underscore a miracle where you'll find does all kind of fantasy stuff aside from fantasy football, basketball, uh, just everything going on. If there's betting or fantasy around it, I'm writing about it at DraftKings Nation. And thanks for coming on to the show, Jeff. You are our third guest for the second time we've had guests on the show. Mm-hmm. And great having you for sure. Yeah, yeah really so enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. And thank all of you for listening. We will see you next time. <laughs>